next game we have up is Cards at Ramps, and this is our last game that we were unanimously wrong on. Fortunately, I think I'm actually the only one who made a mistake the rest of the week, but Cards at Ramps, let's talk about it, guys. So, for me, um, so I, I picked I picked the Rams here. Obviously, everyone picked the Rams here. I just, I mean, after last week, last week we thought the Rams were the number one team in the league. This was a big upset because the cards now, maybe through the transitive property, are the number one team in the league. So, we'll see. I mean, it's hard to say after one game, but uh, I'm I'm a little bit, I'm, I, I feel like the Cardinals just have too much. Um, the Rams obviously have their, their, one of their the, the things that they're known for is their defense, but I think Cardinals have four wide receivers they can rely on, right? And Kyler doing his thing, having four options is going to be really tough for any defense, I think. And that's, are you, that's, deny, I think what are you denying Max XX Williams? <laughs> I no, I'm denying uh, I'm denying Rondell Moore. He's the odd one out. Oh, so he's just yeah. not a wide receiver now. Yeah, exactly. Max Williams is really slimming down to make that cut, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Rondell Moore has been bad the past two weeks. I'm not gonna get into it honestly because I really thought he'd be like the clear number two. But even if it's a rotating system, yeah, they have four true wide receivers that are really good. Plus Max Williams. Plus they have you know Chase Edmonds and uh, James Conner. It's just simply too much on offense. What surprised me though is the the defense at the end because. The Rams are still a very good all-around team, so we all thought that no matter what defense gets put up, it shouldn't matter. What I think part of it is is that uh, Cooper Cup has been Stafford's guy all year, and uh, that actually doesn't work very well against the Cards because Byron Murphy is definitely one of the top slot corners in the league. So if Cup is neutralized, um, Stafford just didn't have a game yet where he couldn't constantly lob it to him so he was a bit lost out there that's what i'm thinking honestly yeah it's a great point alex um and by the way thank you for giving a shout out to the former baltimore raven max xx williams um he was a raven what a guy he was he was was i'm pretty convinced that every tight end in the league was a raven at one point just about every tight end that now looks godly today. Let's see. Let's see. Well, who we got? Um, Darren Waller, of course. Darren Waller. Um, Max Williams. Um, Max Hayden Hurst. Hayden yeah, Hurst. I don't, know the rest. I don't know the rest. I mean, like, those are the big three, right? Like, just about any, like, you know, high-performing tight end on literally any other NFL roster, there's, like, a 50-50 chance that, like, they, they began their career as a Raven. So, yeah, that's good. Um, but anyway, um, the the Cardinals are fascinating to me. Um, it seems like every game they lose, Kyler Murray is running for his life. And in every game they win, it seems like Kyler Murray is running for his life. <laughs> it's just that in the games that they happen to win, you know, those are the ones where, you know, they're able to, you know, hit the big shots down the field. You know, like Anish, you mentioned, you know, they're four highly capable wide receivers. I mean, and Alex, you know, to your point, like it, it, it is no longer fair for opposing defenses. Uh, I mean, offensively, they're becoming an embarrassment of riches, which is really timely for them, given the division that they play within. Um, you know, I think it's going to equip them to, 
you know, both compete in shootouts, but also like, you know, defensively, you know, like to your point, you know, just a few moments ago, Alex, I mean, like the defense showed up on Sunday Um, and the Rams, I mean, the Rams not only looked flat, but, you know, they just couldn't get anything going. And you could tell after the first couple of series that this was Arizona's game to lose. It was just a question of how much. Um, So, yeah, you know, I, I don't have much more to add, you know, as it pertains to that game. I thought the cards turned in a really good one and the Rams got punched in the mouth, but you know, they'll be back next week because, you know, they're still a really good team. That's very true. I don't know. I mean, transitive property aside, I don't know if I'm ready to say that cards are the best team in the league or even best team of the division. I honestly think at this point, if you're the best in the NFC West, you're just best in the league. Um, I think that's kind of what it's come to, but, uh, who knows? Maybe the Niners are going to be the best in the league after they face the cards this week. Is that how it works? I don't really think so. I just think that uh, the Rams hadn't hadn't been tested fully yet because as much as the Bucks are a good team, they don't match up very well to a team that has Cooper Cup and Robert Woods, even if you only throw to one of them. Totally. Um, and that's part of what we saw this past week in the, as good as uh, Mac Jones played um there's just no secondary in Tampa but uh, with this game I, I think Kyler really fully won my respect because we all called this being a Rams win and now the the cards are the only undefeated team in the league and I think Kyler is probably the clear-cut MVP candidate yeah hard to disagree with that at this point Maybe Lamar, right? I, I, I don't think any of us are thinking that Lamar is like the number one guy, but I do think Lamar is number two because he has basically been the, the force behind every single win. And even when a loss, it was a loss week one, he was what kept them in it. Yeah. 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 I mean, like that's, that's the Lamar argument, right? It's, you know, it's not the gaudy stats. It's the fact that like he has been literally the most valuable reason behind that team winning their first three games. Um, you know, like without him, you know, they, they very well could be, you know, Owen, Owen four, like one and three, you know, it's, it's really hard to say. Um, but uh, I mean, like there's so many guys having great, great starts to the season. You know, there's, there, there's Kyler, um, you know, there's, there's a, you know, a, 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 I feel like Aaron Rodgers is, is having a reasonable start to the year. If you take out his week one, uh, performance, um, and, uh, you know, a couple is of other guys. how Anish likes to think about the season. <laughs> I you mean, like Stafford. Sure. Derek think- Carr, honestly, even is in that conversation. Derek Carr, thank you. Like I, I knew I was forgetting somebody. Yeah, Kyler's we'll still so far ahead, though. Kyler's so far ahead, and we'll get more into this later. Um, as we look at the rest of the the teams and even the week five matchups, but uh, especially Lamar, since that game's still coming up in week four. But let's move on to Steelers at Packers. Um, yeah, I called this one wrong. It's the last error for any of us for the rest of the week. Um, yeah, I w- I was incorrect. Um, I didn't ever feel great about that call, but uh, I think the first quarter showed part of my point when uh, Steelers went up 7-zip and then the defense got stopped in uh, far back in Packers territory, leading to really good field position. It's just that there was no way 
they can mobilize on it. Um, they have the stuff to beat the Packers, honestly, because of how bad the defense is and how good their own defense is. But the real question was, there the energy for four quarters of it? I didn't really think there would be, but I thought there was enough of a glimmer to go for them. That, and obviously, I hate the Packers so much. So I actually watched this game. So I actually watched this game um, on a uh, flight back to Atlanta. I had been home for for, for a, a couple of weeks, um, and it was the only uh, free live TV game that Southwest offered for you to stream on the plane. And uh, wait, stop! You could have paid for a different game. Well, was I mean, it, like, was it worth watching the Steelers for free just to save a few bucks? I mean, like, you could have paid for Wi-Fi and then you know watched like whatever remaining 430 game you wanted, but like, maybe you, know, you are a Steelers fan like if you were willing to consume that content then. <laughs> yes. Yes. If you're willing to pay $8 to see the Seattle Seahawks, then good for you. Um, but, but I was not willing to spend the $8 and I, and I elected to watch Steelers Packers and uh, the Steelers, they're awful. Mm. Yeah. Well, yeah, Big Ben is awful. <laughs> what were you going to wait? What were you going to say? The team overall is yes. not awful. Yeah, no, like yes, Anish. Like I, I a hundred percent agree, and like, and it all stems from that. I mean, the physical erosion that he has weathered is staggering, and like we be, we really began to to see that last year around Thanksgiving when you know it it looked like the wheels had come off the bus. You know, it it, it just looked to be over. Um, it's like the first week of October and he looks like he, he looks like he can't physically play the position and it's really upsetting. Like, especially if you're a Steelers fan and, you know, coming from a Ravens fan, you know, like while I may not like the Steelers, they have my undying respect and they always will as, as both a franchise, you know, as a team and as an organization, but it's it's really staggering to me just how far they have fallen from grace. I mean, you know, you think back to those killer B teams, you know, with with Bell, Big Ben, and and uh, and uh, Antonio Brown in their primes. I mean, you know, you just couldn't hold them down for four quarters. You know, like you know, like maybe you held them down for three, but you weren't holding them down for four. Um, and you know, like once they got going they were near impossible to stop. I mean, I remember it like it was yesterday. Um, those days are so far gone that it's, it's still hard for me to believe as I watch them on the screen. Um, the offensive line just gets no push. You know, poor Najee Harris can barely find running lanes in order to pick up first downs. And, you know, because of the, you know, abhorrent play of both Big Ben and the offensive line, they've essentially had to strip out an entire part of the field from their playbook. You know, like, will they hit the occasional deep shot? Yeah. You know, Big Ben can still, you know, chuck it down the field every now and then, but like, he's clearly just not the same player. And unfortunately, I don't think he will ever be the player that we, that we've always known him to be ever again. Um, and yeah, it's it's just really really staggering to to watch unfold, and uh, I do not believe the Steelers have a viable succession plan in place at the moment, and that this could really come back to bite them this year. Are I think we saying that. Sorry, you go ahead. 
I, I think the Steelers' um, skill position players are pretty good. I think it's really just the O line and the quarterback that are dragging everything down. Which, which, yeah, I mean, you know, those so are yeah, it's my, just those the center, the, just the that, fundamental that might, core of the. Yeah, offense. that might be like the most important part of an offense, but at least they have the other pieces, and you can easily tell because Najee, Najee is is kind of like the bailout guy for them, and they use him a lot. But when he gets the ball, he does everything he can. And he can't do much because he doesn't get help. But you can tell he does everything he can. He looks good. Um, so they somehow always seem to find the running backs and wide receivers. I don't know why. They, they are very good at finding skill position players. Yeah. You know, like you've got to give the Steelers credit. They And for the record, I agree with you, Anish. I think I think Chase Claypool can seriously play. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. I think Najee Harris is going to become a great player, um, you know, like with time. Um, yeah, no, like especially wide receiver talent, the Steelers are second to none in developing wide receivers. Um, you know, they just have a knack for it and, you know, long run, I think the organization will be fine, but in terms of the short run, I mean, my, yeah, like that, that's just like, that's just depressing to watch. If you're a football fan, knowing what the Steelers mean to this league, you know, even if you don't like them as a team, like, you know, you have to just feel a little bit disappointed that they've fallen so far from grace so quickly. They have, it seems like they have like everything, all the parts you need for a car, except like the engine, right? Like they have all the, all the premium pieces for a sports car where they don't have the engine, which if they have a, a semi-decent engine, like that's a sick car. But right so, now so they have matter. a really nice catalytic converter is what you're saying. Yeah, sure, and sure. A dope exactly. spoiler. Like, yeah. Great, uh, great rims, but no, nothing about the actual functionality of the car. Right, that's awesome. Exactly. That's that's dope. Um, <laughs> and just to say how I honestly thought, you know, there was going to be a glimmer of hope for the the Dwayne Haskins succession plan because if there's an O line, I think you know he can have it. And the Steelers for such a long time had a good O line, but I'm reading articles now that Big Ben is still their best opportunity over a man who's like what 23 and was a Heisman finalist that's terrifying that's yeah. how terrifying just both QBs fall from respective graces has been um but do you see my point when I was talking before with you like all the time that I don't think Najee Harris is going to be great for fantasy because all the horror around him okay so okay so again I preach the same thing so this is honestly an experiment right which I'm finally like going all in into this year in fantasy is I think opportunity is greater than talent and I'm going all in on that. So I'm going for a- anyone who gets all the touches, no matter how bad the offense is, no matter how bad they are like talent wise. This is why you drafted Robbie Anderson. Uh, okay. That's my one exception. Okay. But, and, and I dropped him now anyway. So, but for example, like that's why I didn't like Saquon, right? Saquon is, Saquon is, at least the top three talented back in, in the league, but the giants are not good. And the giants O-line is not good. So he's not producing like, That's at least a, he's literally not the same thing for Najee. What's what's I don't get, get the counter here. No, no, no. Well, the, the difference, the difference is Najee. The, so the difference is the giants can actually throw the ball. So they're actually throwing it. Well, I guess they didn't this this week because their wide receivers were out. But they generally have been throwing no, it. To they, they threw it enough. Well, they yeah, they threw it enough. But, but Big Ben doesn't do 
nearly as much. So you see so many like short passes to Najee, right? So Najee sure. gets so much extra volume. Yeah, maybe if that, you were in a PPR league, that'd be great. I mean, yeah, but it, it, it adds up over time still. It does add up. I, I, I tease, I tease. I still think first round was early, even if it's late first round, especially when Nick Chubb was still on the board, my guy. Well, this is the this is part of the experiment. Nick Chubb had a ceiling, which is defined by Kareem Hunt. And so we'll Najee see. has a ceiling defined by the, the disarray around him. <laughs> I mean, yeah, we'll see. We'll see how it ends up. Okay, it's fair still enough. Early. It's, it is still early. Um, and we focused a lot on the Steelers there, but uh, Packers give them their due. Um, coming from a Bears fan here, that uh, they took care of the, the defense pretty handedly. And that's why I was even giving the Steelers like a thought. Quaker? Yeah, my Quaker is not a Packers fan either, so clearly <laughs> he needed to voice some concern. But uh, nonetheless, uh, they took care of that Steelers defense, which is still really good, even if it doesn't show up that much on a stat board. And Packers Aaron Rodgers, do their thing. Packers is do their thing. Aaron Rodgers is, is back to form. Yeah, They're very consistently uh, good, honestly, which is... Which is pretty respectable. I, I like so for so many years in a row they've been just so good every year. But like, isn't that part of your complaint that they're good but not good enough that like you guys don't get the I, I Super mean, Bowl? But okay, but I'd rather I'd rather have that than be like an, a a uh, a franchise that does really well one season and then shits the bed the next season and then does really like I'd rather have the consistency. At least I won't have a heart attack every season. You know. Now, is anyone else thinking what I'm thinking? I don't uh, know what I you're doubt thinking. It. That the <laughs> that the <laughs> that the quarterback of one of these teams could potentially be the quarterback of the other team next year. If that happened, it would be explosive. You mean I, you mean you mean Big Ben to the Packers? I, I assume you know. Because clearly that would be explosive for the Packers. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. That, that offense is going to blow up, man. Just, <laughs> just, you watch. just you watch. Everyone's just going to leave. Once Big Ben gets his hands on some of that good Wisconsin cheese, oh, man, the sky's the limit. <laughs> yeah, but, what gonna, but what's, what's, what's going to slow down Big Ben more, the Wisconsin cheese or the Thanksgiving turkey? What's going to hold back his gut <laughs> and his waistline further? It's it, It's really too close to call at this point. Mm. Yeah, I think the trip to fan is the tiebreaker, though. But we are currently accepting bets on either. So, <laughs> mm. no, but yeah. like seriously, like like Rogers to the Steelers. I I I think you have to admit it makes a ton of sense. I haven't I mean, heard this sure. conversation. I honestly haven't heard this conversation. What was the team though? It was there, there was um uh, there was the the early on they were talking about Rogers going to the Broncos, but I right. I've, I've not heard this narrative about him going to the Steelers. Um, that would just give me another reason to hate the Steelers as a secondary Ravens fan, so that's fine. Um, whatever. Um, I can't have good things in the world. But uh, <laughs> it would be better because Rodgers is good enough still that he can play without an O-line, which is really crazy to think about because he's the same age as Big Ben. They were drafted like one year apart. Yeah. And yeah. They played, oh, wow, that and they, is crazy. Yeah, and they played in a Super Bowl together 11 years ago against each other. And, like, they were both in the same health, and they were both young. Um, but uh, now, only Ben has physically regressed. The only regression that comes to Rogers is his hairline. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I don't have much much to add other than rest in peace, AFC North. If if uh, if all, if uh, old old Mister Rogers comes to play, um, because that's that's gonna be uh, that's gonna be quite a time on Sunday twice a year. It would officially be Mister Rogers' neighborhood. Yes, yes, and, and, and what I'm saying is I, I don't want it to become Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. I like Mr. Rogers in his current neighborhood. Thank you. <laughs> I, I really don't. I just don't want him to be in any neighborhood besides a, a Jeopardy screening booth. Um, you know what, though? If Aaron Rodgers leaves, I kind of still feel like the Packers have a decent shot at winning the division again next year. I, don't, like I, think, the- by, I think by then um, Fields should be good to go. That or the Vikings. I don't, I don't think I don't. I don't think Packers have it if Rodgers leaves. Jordan Love is not it. I also well, think we don't Bears, know that yet. We kind of know. That's hard I to think, tell right now. But. I think the Bears are going to seriously attack O line in the draft and and free agency next offseason. And and mm-hmm. when that happens, like you know they'll they'll. I feel like when that happens, like they'll actually like be a force to be reckoned with. I mean, the sad part Roland is that solves we all did, problems on offense. The, the sad part is that we did. We drafted Tevin Jenkins, and then he just had back surgery and didn't play at all in the offseason. He's supposed to be our franchise left tackle, so it's it's really great that he hasn't been able to play a snap yet. Um, before I get further depressed, we're moving on to the next game: Ravens at Broncos. <laughs> okay. So yes. yeah, I mean, I picked the Ravens. We all picked the Ravens here, right? Um, yeah. For the rest of the week, we know. all chose correctly. This was an easy pick for me, and I don't know. Vegas, is, had, Vegas had Baltimore as the underdog. Really? Yes. It was like Denver minus one. That's awful. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so, like, this was that rare instance where Vegas got fooled twice. Like, I feel like Vegas gets fooled, like, like once, like, all the time when it comes to, like, a particular matchup, but, like, they legit got fooled twice here. Like on the one hand, I'm sure the Broncos are a perfectly like, are a perfectly good team, but like when your three and O comes against the Jets, the Jags, and the Giants, <laughs> like we have to just take that with a little teensy grain of salt. Yeah, I mean, I like, feel like I, I could have called like I mean we all did call it. I feel like it was pretty obvious if you thought about it for like. I mean, we also minutes. all called the Rams, so there you go. There's a that's lot of different. Yeah, I know it's different. I know it's different. There's a lot of teams that would go three and zero against those three opponents, and then the second thing is Marquise Hollywood Brown, who mm. single-handedly perhaps cost Lamar Jackson an additional 100 passing yards and three touchdowns last week. I am not exaggerating, my friends. If you watch the highlights of that game, you will see this man drop not one. Not two, but three separate breadbasket touchdowns at one point or another in that Lions game. Of which, if he had caught, say, just two of those three balls, we we would have routed the Lions, and Vegas would have probably given us a tad more respect than being one-point underdogs to the Denver Broncos. But, alas, that is not the way it played out. And the Ravens went to Denver and took care of business Against, again, what I believe to be a good team, but perhaps not the juggernaut that everyone was expecting them to be in the Broncos. Um, but, yeah. yeah I, really I, have, I have nothing yeah. else to add except 
Javante Williams had this one really good, like, 31-yard run. And, like, it looked like yes, no Ravens could take him down. It looked like no Ravens could I, stop him. I do not want to talk about that. I, I do not want to talk about that run. Okay, you don't have to talk about it. I'm just bringing up for the point that I think uh, I feel good about Javante eventually taking over for Melvin Gordon at the end of the, by the end of season. I think it's a question of when, not if. That that's that's been the rumor, but Melvin Gordon has looked good. So no, I know, I know, it, but I think that this this game kind of that play that the big play breakout ability yeah, of is what is what convinced me. Well, I think he's definitely the future, and I think that's pretty sad. He looks very good. Um, and eventually Melvin Gordon will, will kind of, uh, meet father time or whatever. So they pay MG three a lot, so they might as well let him, uh, get hit a bunch of times before Javante needs to get hit a bunch of times. That's the nature of the RB position, baby. Sure. The only other thing I'll add, uh, one thing from each team. One, I, I found it odd that the Broncos so shamelessly sold out against the run on like just about every other play. Um, because it, it made it quite easy for, for Lamar Jackson and his improved passing ability to simply find the wide-open receiver with no defensive back within 20 yards of them in literally any direction, um, which was basically a good summary of how like the entire second half went from a passing perspective. Um, guys just wide open down the field. Um, there was one touchdown actually in the first half to Marquise Hollywood-Brown Yes, he actually caught a touchdown. I know, it's shocking. Um, which was just a thing of beauty. Nobody in the picture. I don't know how Denver allowed this to happen, but they did. Um, you know, Hollywood makes the diving catch. Um, you know, really I think, you know, the biggest thing for the Ravens is just the the maturity of their passing game from this year to from from last year to this year. Um, you know, Greg Roman is finally attacking the entire field. And it really shows because Lamar, as underrated as he is as a passer, might be extraordinarily underrated as a deep passer in particular. Um, And he's really starting to show it off and he's starting to hit those deep shots down the field. Um, And I think over the long run, it's going to just make defense's job even harder when they face him because you're no longer just going to be able to stack the box or else you will just, you know, meet your peril over the top down the field. Um, but it's early, obviously, you know, the Ravens are still a very flawed team as are the, as are the Broncos. And so it'll be interesting to see how these two teams trend from here, given their respective issues. Yes. A very flawed team with the, the, the second clear cut candidate for MVP. Um, I don't think he's second Like, that's the thing. Like, I, I I feel like I wouldn't put him second. You're just super critical because you're a Ravens fan. I don't think there's anyone that competes with him for second place. Well, so like the other thing is I'm thinking about it in terms of like how the MVP is actually decided, right? Like I feel like if you're looking at it in terms of who is actually the most valuable player, then yeah, like Lamar probably has a pretty good case. But like he just doesn't have the stats, I feel like, you know, he doesn't have the statistics so far to back up a legitimate MVP campaign in real life right now. Okay, fair enough. So yeah. Um, but this brings us to the end of uh, the the non primetime matches. Um, so Sunday night football, Bucks at Patriots, the Adele game, if you will. <laughs> Remarkable performances all around. Too bad Adele wasn't there for halftime, but it was just good, 
classic football. Offense meets defense. What do you guys think about the coaching? Okay, I'm going to go off. You're going to so, go off. Well, I'm off. ready. I'm ready. Let's hear it. So, I – so, okay. Going into this game, right, there's all the drama about Brady versus Belichick and all that stuff. And that stuff has been happening ever since Brady left. but Or even before Brady left. But the thing is, last year when the Bucks won – Brady won the argument. Like, Brady won the debate, hands down, who goes to another team and wins in year one. That doesn't happen. Then the Bucs play the Patriots. And I'm thinking, I mean, I picked the Bucs here. We all picked the Bucs here. And the Bucs did win. But it, that's not really the point. The point is, the Bucs didn't score, like, any touchdowns, basically. Especially compared to what they're supposed to do. They're a team that passes the ball and scores touchdowns. They're not a running team. They're a passing offense. And that's the point. Brady is, a gr- Brady is the greatest quarterback of all time. You have you have three or four great weapons. It, Gronk was out, but you have three great weapons, uh, wideouts on offense. And you have everything you need. You have an, a fantastic defense, run defense, and that's everything you could possibly need. They won the Super Bowl last year. They're stacked. And the Patriots have Mac Jones, rookie quarterback, and – what their best wide receiver is Jacoby Myers. Like, okay. What happens is there's two things that happen. They tried running the ball. The Pats tried running the ball, and you don't run against the Bucs. At this point, no one should be trying to run against the Bucs. There's literally no point. You might as well just check the ball up and see what happens. Because the Bucs now have their first defensive back being Richard Sherman, <laughs> which who they signed like a week prior. And now he's their best Not even. It was like three days. Yeah, three days prior. And they just stuck him in because they had no one else. And then another defensive back gets injured. I don't remember who. But he's he's like their only guy now. So what they do is they can't run the ball, so they're just going to pass the ball. But Mac Jones isn't a great quarterback yet. So what they do is, because the system matters a lot, Bill Belichick is like, just get the open passes. And their cornerbacks can't cover. I know Mac Jones can do this. Every single pass that Mac Jones threw was 5 to 10 yards wide open receivers every single time they stopped running they just did five to ten yard passes every single time they got it every single time they moved the sticks they did their thing on defense the defensive part is master class what they what i think belichick did which and again correct me if i'm wrong but what i think belichick did is every drive brady every time brady drove brady saw a different look on defense so what Belichick knew, knowing knowing maybe what Brady's thinking, Brady's going to learn based on previous drives, and he's going to adapt. But every time you adapt, you're going to face something completely different. I know one time they put in like only defensive backs, like they went crazy. It was like insane. Who does that? Like I don't I don't understand where he gets these ideas. It works so well, and they they had to kick field goals every single drive. And I don't know if you can do it any better. The Bucks are supposed to be, if not the best, one of the best offenses in the league. And they got completely stuffed. And honestly, like, hats off to Belichick. Like, it was just Brady and Belichick together is is really the answer. There's there's no clear answer. It was not one or the other. It was both of them. And that's that's very clear. And the narrative has definitely shifted back to that. And I think that's fair. I mean, Belichick completely outcoached. Uh, Bruce Arians. And I don't think Bruce Arians is that bad of a coach, you know? Like, 
it's just that Belichick is that good. My takeaway from that is Anish saying the the coach that just won the Super Bowl is not that bad at coaching. <laughs> well, compared to Belichick, you know, it's sure, tough. Sure. It is tough. Um, oh, my favorite stat about that is really one of those ESPN stats is like uh, Belichick and Bruce Arians. The first game in NFL history where both coaches are at least 69 years old because they're both 69. It's like, first of all, nice. But second of all, like, why make – they're old, but they're not playing on the field. It doesn't matter. Yeah. If, if Big Ben was 69, then we have a conversation. But uh, it doesn't really matter when the guys saying stuff are that old. Regardless, I are honestly sure think – Are we sure Big Ben's not 69? I'm just saying. <laughs> like, are we positive? I, I, I mean, no, we're not positive because my 90-year-old grandfather probably moves more quickly. But uh, regardless – the stats say that he's apparently in his late 30s for whatever reason. Um, I don't believe it, but either way, I honestly think the coaching on offense was decent because uh, it was just so much to work with against Belichick's defense. Um, and I feel really good about Mac Jones after that game, which kind of leads to my point earlier that it's such a system thing with QBs. It's why he's the best rookie QB because he went to the best organization. Um, and, uh, he did really well. He like staggered at the end and, uh, there was also the, the ridiculously loud doink on that field goal very well could have been a Pats win. Um, but, uh, alas, I, it was, I think, I still think it was an earned win from the Bucks, but, uh, it was so close to not being one. Quite possibly one of the most resonant doinks that I have heard. <laughs> I think that I think they started setting up like a doink mic at this point, right? Like it just happens so frequently, it feels like that they set up the extra sound effect. Like it was just like such an aesthetically pleasing sound, you know? Like it just like it, it, it was. Such a I felt shudders when I heard it. It was <laughs> pleasing if you're a Bucks fan, perhaps. I'm not going to say what I was going to say next. <laughs> I have no idea what you were going to say, but I'm terrified. You, for it would trigger you in ways that I Oh, oh if you're going to tell me about the it. double doink, please, I don't care. That's just way more triggering visually. It didn't sound as bad, okay? I can take the criticism of my franchise. There's a lot. Yeah, but no, that was... I'd write a whole book. I can! Like, no matter what you think, I can take it! Okay? I'm calm about all of this. Someone write a book on all the Bears' failures and send it to Alex. <laughs> it's already called the Wikipedia page on the Chicago Bears. Oh, man. <laughs> and then have him, have him angrily read it aloud and, like, sell the audiobook version. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Honestly, honestly, I think I can make a lot of money off that. Um, <laughs> what's, what's I, I need, like, I that need to pay was... off my rent. But seriously, like, I feel like you guys, I feel like you guys hit it on the head. I mean, like, what can you say about Belichick? You know, like that man is just, he makes good coaches look average. You know, I'd argue he makes great coaches look average. Um, and like, I, I, I feel like you're so right, Anish. Like, the debate is is firmly, like, not a debate. Like, it was both of them. You know, and yeah. if one doesn't have the other, no way do each of them have six Super Bowls. Right. 
you know, like it was a complimentary effort. That was just coaching beyond, you know, the, the highest level by, by Bill. Um, and man, man, what a game, what a chess match. Just, you know, I, I do find it oddly convenient though, that the monsoon just always happens to arrive right on time when Bill really <laughs> needs it to come in clutch. Like, I mean, like, are, are we sure Bill doesn't like have a pact going with like the rain gods or something, you I know, which that. like, you know, like, but anyway, I suppose it didn't really help them this time because they lost, but like, you know, just a great, great showing just a, just, just an excellent chess match. Like that's, that's, that's vintage football right there. I thought it was the best game of week four. And actually, I, I talked about this, but um, so again, like this reminded me of that Super Bowl between the Rams and the and the and the Pats, right? So when uh, Goff was on the Rams and they went to the Super Bowl, um, I personally was was you know rooting for the Rams because it was more of an anti-Pats thing uh, at that point. But um, everyone hated that Super Bowl. Everyone hated it because it was so low scoring; nothing was happening. And well, I, I guess I could kind of get their point, but I, I it might be one of my favorite Super Bowls ever because it was so tense the entire time, right? You got the feeling that no one was doing anything, nothing was happening, no one was getting the upper hand, and it was, the tension was just building because you knew at some point it was going to break and something was going to happen, and that would be it. Like there would be no coming back. And something did happen, the paths ended up winning. Um, but it was an insane defensive battle and I loved it. I loved the building of the tension and the defensive play, just how stagnant everything became, how hard everything was. It was, it was so much more interesting to me than the shootouts that we get. Um, the shootouts are like entertainment value, but you know, the true strategy is shown in games like that, that are really slow and grinded out and tough, like tough, tough games. And this kind of reminded me of that because no one was getting stuff done on offense. The, the game was it was more high scoring, I guess, but it was still like you could tell it was stagnating. And this was an offense that was supposed to be super good. And they still are super good. It's just that Belichick is also really good. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Um, you know, it, it's it's almost like a, a different kind of wildly entertaining. You know, it's this suspenseful element of like who's going to make the play. Right. Like as in those shootouts, it's like, okay, who's the next person who's going to make, you know, an amazing play. Um, Whereas like, you know, in, in Sunday night's game, you know, you were just waiting with bated breath to see who was going to hit the, you know, who was going to hit the 20 yard completion downfield or who was going to pound it into the end zone um, or, 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 you know, who was going to make the big stop. Like, yeah, yeah. Totally on board with totally on board with your take. Um, just a great game. Fantastic football. The only thing I'll add before we move on to Monday Night Football, at least from my end, is that, Anish, I'm so proud of you. I'm never going <laughs> to comment on your feeble football mind again, now that I know that you actually appreciate defense. Pog. This whole time, I didn't believe it. But now, I've been fully convinced. If That's you don't actually you. mean it, you deserve an Oscar. I really feel <laughs> it in your soul. That you care about football and not just the little it's numbers on, on our screen. I'm, a, I'm an NBA guy. I came from the NBA, but the, the NFL is going on. Me. I came I from the NBA. <laughs> I, I'm taking my talents to South Beach where we record our podcast. 
Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. Um, I don't think anyone else has something to add. Feel free to jump in though. But if not, uh, um, Monday night football Raiders at chargers. It was an electric game. It it was so electric that they had to wait about half an hour before it could start. <laughs> Honestly, like it, I, I feel like Alex, it's it, it's not too late for you to ditch the podcast and like just go do stand up somewhere. <laughs> think about it. I'll think about it. Yeah, but uh, these would probably pay me equally as much at the moment. <laughs> That's very true. <laughs> very, very true. Yes. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, like what a. What a performance by the Chargers defense. I mean, the Raiders could just get nothing going on the ground. And quite frankly, they couldn't get much going in the air either. Um, that was just a, a, a stalwart defensive effort by the L.A. Chargers. Um, and I mean, like, what can you say about Justin Herbert? And, and not just Justin Herbert and how much he's improved from year one to year two, um, which was already a very high bar, might I add. Because he was sensational last year as a rookie, um, and he's arguably in in yet another tier now, just after one off season of work, um, like just like huge props to you know Brandon Staley and that whole coaching staff for just the complete shift in philosophy to becoming a fourth down team. Um, I think it's serving them really well. Um, I don't put much stock in in the Cowboys' loss earlier this year. Um, you know there were a lot of questionable officiating calls and you know late game decisions in that game by by both sides cowboys are also just really good yeah and like as we're finding exactly alex like the cowboys are are very much a real team this year but like you know getting back to the chargers like i just love how aggressive they are now um it feels like they're not coaching scared it feels like they're coaching you know not scared (laughs) um yeah, so just like, brave. you know. I think the word is brave. Yes, yes, they're coaching. They're coaching brave. Are you happy now? Yes, very happy. Yeah. Well, this this brave coaching is, is you know, seriously coming back to help them. And I feel like, you know, they're on the verge of seriously reshaping their identity late in games, which is, you know, finding some way to blow it last second and come away with an agonizing defeat. Um, not these chargers. I, I think these chargers, I, I, I think that's all in the past for them now. On the other hand, the Raiders, they were three and zero before this game. They've been playing really well. Like Derek Carr is in the MVP conversation, but this game, it just really didn't feel like it. After the first half, it was 21 zip. I thought the Raiders would have no chance, but, uh, these Raiders run on dreams and nothing else at this point, it seems, because they pushed, and I thought in that fourth quarter, are they actually going to beat the Chargers after everything that's happened this game? Um, fortunately, Austin Eckler wanted me to rest easy and say, nope, that's not going to happen. You are safe, my child. But <laughs> gosh, was it close. It felt it felt exciting, really, that as that second half. And the Raiders... The Raiders' dream fuel was uh, reaching its it, the low limits of its tank. It was good football for sure. Um, first f- first half was Chargers. Second half, both teams. Um, but yeah, that's it for Week Four. Um, just to recap, because we hadn't said it in this episode, it was good predictions all around by all of us. Um, 
I I took a lead ever slightly, but I think Anish still has more picks on me overall this year. So let's just see how it goes for the next 14 weeks. As for week five, who'd we predict? So week five, we all basically picked the same teams. It is way too close for comfort. Like, it's weird because we really don't look at what anyone else picks, but we just, we we actually ended up with basically the same teams. And the thing is, for anything that was different, I could see the other side. So maybe this week is just obvious. I'm not sure. But um, yeah, it was it was definitely strange. Although, well, there is one pick that Alex made that's disgusting. So we're There's one pick that, that you made is pretty yeah. disgusting too, might we'll I add. To, we will get well, to Alex's disgusting pick later in the podcast but (laughs) i feel like you know in the meantime i don't know about you guys but this week's lineup of games this coming week felt like a lot of like teams that lost last week but that like we think are good and well coached and so they're going to come back hungrier and perhaps even better prepared to come away with a dub this coming sunday um or monday or thursday whenever they're playing um, and like, so at least for me, like it was pretty easy, like just going off of that philosophy to like make my picks, whether or not, you know, my picks will, will turn out to be right. And by extension, our picks will turn out to be right remains to be seen. But, um, you know, I, I just felt like there were, there were a lot of matchups, you know, in, in, in I feel like there's a lot of matchups on tap for week five, where you've got a team that either got embarrassed or that just barely came up short in week four, and now they're fetching a favorable draw this week, and they should come back hungrier and even more prepared and and, uh, readier to play. Okay, fair enough. So with week one, uh, I mean, not week one, match one, we got Rams at Seahawks. We all chose Rams. Um, Anyone want to play a little devil's advocate for the Seahawks? No. No. Um, yeah, just no defense and the Rams are going to be hungry. Um, Seahawks are going to be chilling because they kind of got off easy with that Niners win. Um, I think honestly, somehow the Seahawks are the worst team in this division. It's either them or the Niners. Um, but I think there's, it's definitely like a, a two half in the division at this point. Um, I would, I I was just going to say like, I'd probably give the nod to the Niners today simply because they they are not extremely satisfied with their quarterback, um, just given the fact that they don't really yet know, like right now today, like who their quarterback is. I mean, is it Garoppolo? Is it Trey Lance? I suppose it has to be Trey Lance for a while. But like, I think we can all agree that, you know, he's not as polished a starter as he's going to be like over the rest of his career today. Um, and so like maybe the Seahawks, but then again, like do the Seahawks have a defense? The clear point is that those two teams are the bottom half, and then we have Rams-Cardinals. So when the top half of that division just lost and is facing a bottom half of that division, easy win for the Rams. Yeah, I mean, the Rams are still... I mean, even after last week, they could be one of the best teams. They could be the best team in the, in the league. So, I mean, there's no... It is an obvious choice for me. I just okay. the Rams. Jets and Falcons. We actually were unanimous on this, but... As Anish loves doing it for the content, he's going with the Jets for some reason. <laughs> okay, so this is uh, I okay. The, 
the thing is, I originally picked the Falcons, but every every pick is the same, so I'm going with the Jets. And it's honestly not the worst pick because I kind of feel like the Jets are more capable of doing random stuff and and upsetting the Falcons here than the Fal- the Falcons are disappointments in every way, and I don't want to root for that and be sad when they disappoint again. I'd rather root for the underdog. Oh, I'm not rooting for either of these teams for the record. I'm just saying one's probably going to win and one is probably going to lose. Well, I'm going to have fun with it and I'm going to actually root for a team for once because I'm a good fan. And uh, the yes. Jets will also wear you're a, green. You're a, so. you're a good Jets fan. I'm proud of you. Anish. Well, they, they're they're the green cousins to the Packers. The green so. cousins, okay. Uh, yes, uh, yes. It incredibly well-run and organizationally sound green versus incredibly dysfunctional tire fire green. Easily, but they're mean. But they're mean. Don't forget that they're a mean green. Easily my favorite matchup of the greens in the entire National Football League. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I'm going Falcons on this one. Um I think it's interesting. I mean, this is a home game for the Falcons, but it's in London. So it's not really a home game for anyone. And these teams will be horrifyingly jet lagged. Pretty fitting for a team that are both based on air, Jets and Falcons. But uh, I guess it is enough of a toss up that I'm not really mad with the niche taking Jets. I still think Falcons needed a lot more, especially after losing. Jets are probably going to be super high on their egos because they somehow beat the Titans. By the way, Alex, I, I just talked with the comedy club, and uh, they actually have a spot for you now if you head over. I, I, I Are you sure? Are you sure? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I'm positive. Okay. okay. Just yeah. walk in. Yeah, no, they're excited to see you. They're expecting you. They'll pay double this, right? <laughs> okay. Exactly. Cool. Um, I mean, well, we, to, be, to, be, to be fair to Alex, Alex has been making money on this podcast. I actually have made money. week. Which I don't think can be said about my stand-up career yet. <laughs> um, yeah, and you're going to try and fix that later. Yeah, we'll we'll get to that true. matchup. But this week, the third one is not that game. Patriots at Texans, we all went Pats. Uh, the team that lost 40-0, to zero, I don't think, is going to beat the Patriots. I, I just that's, that's my take. Honestly, like, all, all that I will add is God be with the Houston Texans like that. That's all that I have to say about this game. Like, like I I just hope the good Lord shows them mercy on Sunday. I, I mean, there's nothing, there's nothing much to say here. I mean, it's, it's super obvious because the Texans suck and it's official. Like, yeah, it was an easy pick here. Let's, uh, let's just move on. Um, so Lions and Vikings, uh, we all picked the Vikings here. Uh, this one, I feel like someone could have picked the Lions and it would have been okay. But I think the Vikings are still clearly better. And, you know, Kirk Cousins still looks good. And hopefully Dalvin comes back and is, is decent. And we'll see if he, if he completely runs over the Lions' D. But uh, either way, they have a lot of options on the Vikings, and I don't think they have that on the, on the Lions, and I think it's just pretty clear here, too. One thing I'll say is that uh, I think I want... 
Okay, yes, this is a divisional match. We don't like either of them, Quaker. I get it. But nonetheless, I do think that... Okay, is it really that hard for me to say that the Vikings are okay at football? Um, Vikings are okay at football. Lions are... Why are you so salty about this division, dude? I Did I really instill my fandom into you that hard? That's impressive. I'm a good dog dad, guys. Um... Vikings are going to be hungry after that Browns loss. So I don't think the Lions ever really have any reason for hunger at this point. <laughs> next matchup. Uh, yeah. Next matchup, Eagles at Panthers. Um, I will pick the Panthers I, here. I, I think, again, obvious reasons. The Eagles have been kind of underperforming in the Panthers. Panthers are just loading up on defense, like, without fear. They got, um, they got Stephon Gilmore. Right today, actually. for a 2023 sixth rounder, they got yeah. a DPOY. Candidate. What? How, why? What is happening there? I don't understand that. But I think whatever. I think what happened is that uh, the Pats were like, "Fuck, we're good at football." After holding the Bucks to whatever score it was, so they're like, "We don't need Stephon Gilmore." <laughs> <laughs> I could be wrong, and I would generally think that it's good to have someone of that caliber regardless, but uh, maybe there was some internal division because uh, his health was deteriorating somewhat, but he's still on the pup list, and uh, someone told me that they think it might be like a personal favor that Bill's apparently nice to players because Gilmore is from the Carolinas, so they were he was doing him a solid because originally they said they were just going to cut him, but then they got something to send him back home. I don't know. Um, and I asked, and on the Eagles side, I kind of like him, but uh, certainly not against the Panthers that are just so well-equipped on defense and also yearn for victory after losing their undefeated status against them boys. Yeah, and to be fair, like, I wonder if Belichick would have done old Stefan Gilmore the same solid had the Carolina Panthers just happened to be in the AFC as opposed to the NFC. Also fair. Um, just saying. Just saying. Next just saying. match. Just saying. Next match. Saints at Washington. We all chose the Saints, but I literally don't care anymore after being burned by them in my Survivor League. Like, they could win zero games for the rest of the year, and I really don't care because I don't trust them anymore. Anyone else? Anyone else? Uh, I mean, yeah. No, nothing else. I don't know. I, I, I sincerely appreciate everything you just said, Alex. Yeah. Sure. I could not care less. I could not care less what the Saints do from this point forward in the 2021 NFL season <laughs> after that disastrous performance on Sunday against the New York Giants at home in front of their home crowd for the first time since last season. Due to the devastating hurricane, which tragically plagued New Orleans earlier this fall. And you were up by 11 points, and you just completely, completely choked the game away. Unreal. Unreal. That Good luck said, this year. Yeah. Good luck this year. Good thanks. luck this year. Yeah. Good luck this year. Mm. Michael Thomas is coming back. Solve all their problems. Soon. Soon. Um, but regardless, he's not in for this game. And either way, as much as I don't trust the Saints, they are facing Washington. So that's enough for them for 
me to call Saints pretty confidently, and I think that's why we all did as well. Um, Titans at Jaguars. Um, we're all unanimously choosing the Jaguars here, right? Yep. Mm. Or are you even listening? Doubt. Without a doubt, let's all go Jaguars. First win for T Law. Um, not this. It could week. happen. They've been it improving. It could happen. It yeah, could. Sure. it honestly could. It could. Like they've been, they've played no, well. It last could. Year. It's a, it's a divisional game and it's a home game for them. But yeah. I mean, obviously, I think Titans, I say, you know, obviously, I think the Titans, Titans are better but, overall. Yeah. yeah. Um, and Titans lost against the Jets, so they're not going to let themselves lose to the Jets and Jaguars two weeks in a row. One would hope not. One would hope not. If they're that hopeless, then Colts very well could be a divisional favorite soon. Um, <laughs> Dolphins at Bucks. I'm not even going to talk about this one. Dolphins. Yes, they are very smart animals, but they are not going to beat <laughs> the Buccaneers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Bucks it's really hard to envision a scenario in which the Dolphins come out on top in this one, particularly after the... Uh, uh, I don't know that the Dolphins, like, as I said earlier in the podcast, I mean, just like what a, what a crushing beginning to their season, you know, between Tua going down, you know, realizing that you may, may not have really had the offensive, you know, realizing that you may not have had the offensive prowess that you thought you were going to, in order to take your team to the playoffs behind that defense and special teams, it's just not the way that the Dolphins and I'm sure their fans envision this season starting out. And I just don't like them on Sunday in this spot against the Bucks. Nothing, nothing more to say on that. Uh, Packers at Bengals. So this is the disgraceful pick that Alex made. Obviously, the logical pick is Packers. So Rob and I are logical people. But Alex likes to live on the wild side, so he's going to explain his rationale for the Bengals here. Yes, explain your irrationale behind <laughs> this disgraceful pick. Jair Alexander not playing. That's all I need. That's not that's, okay. That's all I need. Dumb logic. That's, that's all I need, bro. Look, they have one of the best three wide receiver cores in the league. Um, the, the Bengals are hot. Their defense is showing enough that they cut off the momentum from that 14-0 deficit against the Jags. I know it's different, but I think that... I think that there's this... Oh, actually, yeah, this is a divisional game. But don't worry. I'm against the Packers this time. You can relax. Um, <laughs> but I think the Packers are too much on their high horses, thinking everything is so easy and that they're going to underestimate the Bengals. I think the Bengals have enough firepower that they're going to get past that absolutely meaningless Packers defense. I feel like the Packers offense has to just be better than the Bengals offense. And I think it just comes down to just having more firepower overall. So I, I still don't get it. I feel like the Packers are the easy pick here. Okay. I, I, I feel like the Bengals are interesting, you know, like they have the weapons, like for sure. Um, you know, it's just, I don't know, you know, it, it's, it's kind of a, it, I don't know. Like, so, so the Bengals are coming off of a pretty emotional win over the Jags, you know, at home in front of their fans. 
you have to figure that they're going to come out a bit flat. Although the Packers themselves are coming off of a pretty emotional win themselves, are they not? Over the Steelers? And the one other, yeah, and the one other thing, Bengals have 10 days of rest because they played on Thursday night. I think that's going to factor in. Now, that's interesting. That's interesting. That's interesting that you bring that up. I didn't see that. So, so we will... Uh, we, we will just have to see if, if Alex's quote-unquote disgraceful pick turns out to actually be a uh, wise guy pick after all. Yeah, I guess we'll see. Um, Moving okay. forward, we only Broncos. have one game. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, Moving forward, we only have one game that isn't aligned again because we only, this is how ridiculously close we were without even looking at each other's predictions. Um. Broncos at Steelers. We all chose Broncos, even though we think that they're not the juggernauts that should have been the the Vegas winners against the Ravens. Doesn't mean we think they're losing to the Steelers of all teams. <laughs> yeah, the Steelers are falling apart. I think there's an easy pick. Um, it's always good to pick the pick against the team that's just trending down and has no hope of kind of bouncing back. And I think the Steelers fit that. So Broncos here for sure. As a Ravens fan, we know that Rob is against the Steelers, so he did not choose them. You know, like, I, I kid you not, this this game could come in as potentially one of the lowest scoring games in the NFL this decade. Yeah, I looked it up. Um, when you say decade, you mean like 2020s, which is kind of cheating. But uh, the most recently horrible game I saw was like in 2018 when Saxonville beat the Colts 6-zip. I don't think it's going to be that bad. You think it's going to be six zero? So I don't know if it will be. No. Yes. So to address your your uh, your uh, to to address your question there, I do not think it will be Saxonville Colts bad per se. But like you know, I think it will be vying for among the lowest scoring games that we've seen in the league for quite a long time. Like twelve to nine or something of that ilk would not surprise me whatsoever. All right. Bears or Raiders? Um, love my Bears. They're not winning this game. Yeah. I mean, Bears, as I said before, one of the worst six teams in the league. So I got to stick with the Raiders here. Um, We're not bottom five, Raiders. though. That's all that matters. Not, not bottom, bottom five. five. I, have to, I have to admit that. But they are bottom six. So... Yeah, I mean, in all honesty, Raiders here is an easy pick. We all picked it for a reason. Um, makes sense. Particularly Nothing just else. the matchup of uh, Max Crosby and uh, Ngakwe against the atrocious Bears O-line. Um, Fields is potentially in a place to get sacked just as many times as he did against Cleveland. Um, okay, well, let's move on. So this next one is Browns at Chargers. And this is the one that we're going to have our weekly bet on. Um, so this one, it's really close. I picked the Chargers. Rob and Alex, you guys both picked the Browns here. I totally get it. I kind of just I kind of just flipped a coin here um, and picked the Chargers. It, it was really close for me. I can totally see why you picked the Browns here. Um, but basically what we're doing for the bet, just, just so everyone knows, is in an effort to win my money back, I am betting $20 on the Chargers. And Alex and Rob are both betting $10 each on the Browns. And so if I win, then I win 20 bucks. If they win, they each win 10 So 
that's kind of how we're doing it. But do you guys have a case for the Browns specifically? Yeah, I mean, you know, like, I think there's two things, you know, working here. You know, like, on, on the one hand, you know, I think Baker is, is you know, rightfully so a bit uh, is is a bit i think baker you know is a bit critical of himself this morning following his performance um up in minnesota uh, this past sunday um you know baker's a franchise quarterback and you know he knows that that's one of you know easily one of the worst games that he's played in a very long time um and you know baker's obviously a super competitive guy you know great work ethic you know he'll come back hungry and he'll come back uh you know like really really ready to play, I think, this coming weekend. Um, and, like, as it pertains to the Chargers, you know, like, they're coming off an emotional win over over a division rival at home. Um, you know, probably due for a letdown here pretty soon. I feel like the Chargers have some momentum. But at some point, you know, at some point they're going to run into a buzzsaw. And, you know, I feel like I've, I've been underselling the Cleveland defense here uh, these past couple of weeks and that they had sort of a coming out moment against the Vikings. Um, so, you know, that's uh, it's kind of how I see this one shaking out. I think it'll be close, no doubt. But, you know, I think I give the edge to uh, to uh, Baker and his Browns over Herbert and his Chargers. I think I'll just add that uh, the game script, I don't think, works in uh, L.A.'s favor because their defense, as much as I've been praising it over the past few weeks, is not really built against the run. It is a lot more against the passing game, which obviously is not the forte of the Browns. So if they have Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt constantly running through them with the number one O-line, I don't think that they're going to get sacks on them. They basically had as many sacks in that Raiders game as they did all season before. This is not a very strong defensive line, which is kind of weird given Joey Bosa being there. Um, He's been quiet so far. So, do I think the Chargers are good enough that even if the game script's against them, they could beat them on offense? Yeah, sure. I just don't want to bet on it. Totally agree, Alex. And um, it, we actually both forgot to mention the Chargers are, of course, coming off of a short week. So they will have one, technically one less day to, to prepare. one less game. As well. But it's also it's a, a consecutive home game. So at least they're standing still. That's true also. So... Either way, I feel like it should be a very, very good game, and I'm, I'm not surprised that it's basically a pick 'em, you know, out, out out of Vegas. Yeah, I mean, it's split across the bookies. That's why for this bet, it's just going to be whoever wins. No line involved. Um, next game, and for all the games moving forward, we were unanimous. Um, again, this week just felt like a lot of uh, a lot of gimme games. Giants at Cowboys. Yes, I'm taking the Cowboys. Super yeah. emotional win for the Giants that they shouldn't have gotten in New Orleans. So why should I expect them to win an AT&T Stadium? Yeah, I mean, the the Cowboys here are proving themselves. Like, they are, they are the team in that division. Uh, which, I don't know. I mean, you know, Alex, Alex had that take. I'm not sure, like, if it's, like, the most amazing take, but there are high stakes now. So I guess we'll see if it, if it, does yeah, it wasn't, out. it wasn't honestly that hot. I just think I called it like at the, the latest, the, the earliest I felt like I could do it comfortably to willingly give up that much for my dignity. We're still taking <laughs> suggestions by the way. Um, what was the number one? I think it's that going around like a cowboy. Yeah. For, yeah just dress up as a cowboy. 
Yeah. Um, they specifically said class. I don't think that's going to work because I don't think I'm going to be having classes at that point. And I don't know if I can show up to my job dressed as a cowboy. That would <laughs> certainly be interesting, though. So, yeah, um, nothing else to say there. Uh, 49ers at Cardinals. And here we all have the uh, Cardinals. The Niners just get, are getting injured. And uh, at this point, I might just pick against the Niners every time because who knows what injury they'll have next next game. Um, so they just... This seems like they're just going through it, and that's just the nature of the team right now. So, I mean, it's an easy cards pick here. The cards had a good win last week, too. Yeah, this is really one of those, you know, rare, rare instances where I feel highly convicted um, as it pertains to a divisional game, particularly an NFC West divisional game, which always, you know, tends to be, you know, a bit more of a crapshoot depending on the specific matchup. Um, I, I, I don't think the 49ers are physically equipped today to handle the Cardinals. Um, I think Arizona is too explosive. Um, I think they're really feeling themselves. And, I mean, it's like you said, Anish, like San Francisco is just so beat up. Um, you know, they're just so beat up. It's, it's, it's honestly not even fair. Um, you know, could they make it interesting? You know, could they win? Sure. Like anything is possible. It's the NFL. But you know, like I, I have to think that, you know, the, the Niners are running into a buzzsaw here. And, you know, I, I think this has a chance to potentially get out of hand very quickly for them. Yeah, um, this is a yeah, it's pretty, pretty clear in, in my opinion. Next Bills game on the slate. Yeah, Bills the Chiefs. Bills Chiefs. Um, we all have the Chiefs here. I, I honestly think the Bills deserve more respect, but I kind of I, I mean, I picked the Chiefs here and honestly for good reason. Um, what's the case for the Chiefs against the Bills? I don't think it's about respect. Uh, I don't think it's about disrespect for the Bills. Uh, Bills have been red hot. Um, do I think that uh, maybe their emotions are going to be a bit out of touch after winning 40-0? to zero? Yes, but they also won 35-0 to zero earlier this season. So maybe not. Regardless, I think the Chiefs have so much on the line in this game that there's no way that they're going to let the the Bills win. If they lose this game, they're 2-3 and and have legitimate questions about making the playoffs because they'd be last in the division without a doubt for the third week in a row. That's that's mind-boggling. The division is so good, is the thing. But the Raiders and the Broncos are not better than the Chiefs as far as we're concerned. Unless someone disagree with me that they think those teams are better? (laughs) No, I don't disagree. Yeah, and like, you know, Kansas City, I think, you know, something that's that's not really being mentioned, you know, that much, like around NFL circles, they've had an incredibly hard draw to start the year. Um, you know, like you think about the teams that, that, that they've been forced to play, you know, to start the season from the Browns to the Ravens to the Chargers and now this coming Sunday, the, uh, you know, this coming Sunday, the Bills. Um that's a really tough draw. I mean, like f- four of your first five games, all potentially, you know, very good, you know, competitive contending playoff teams. Um, so like, you know, I kind of feel like either way, the chiefs are going to be fine. You know, even if they happen to drop this one, which, you know, for the record, I, I don't think they will. I, I agree with, with, with you guys that, you know, I think they're going to come out hungry and determined to not fall to a losing record. But even if they were to, because, of course, the Bills are, are a tough out for anybody, um, I, I just think they're going to be fine. 
You know, like e- e- even if worse comes to worse, they have to sneak in with one of those wild card spots. If it just so happens that, you know, the Chargers are able to pull ahead of them in the division race. I just can't see a scenario in which Kansas City is not invited to the dance at the end of the year. Um, you know, they're just too prolific offensively. Um, and I think their defense will improve, even if only gradually, over the course of the year. Yeah, that's fair. I, and I also think ultimately it's that uh, the Bills, as good as they are, have been, they don't have the, the the urge to really win this game. Maybe Maybe Josh Allen in particular has a chip on his shoulder to try and um, outplay Mahomes in particular, but the overall the team doesn't need it because Bills are 3-1, and they have as many wins as the rest of their division combined. Like, they don't need to play well to make the playoffs, but they're just going to do well either way. Cool. Uh, Colts at Ravens here. Um, we all picked the Ravens, and again, this is pretty clear. The Colts have suffered a ton of injuries, and... It's just going downhill. I think, I mean, it's definitely because of the injuries. I don't think it's because they're um, underperforming themselves. And I think that it just is what it is. And Lamar has been amazing. Um, at least, like, in my mind right now, he still is, like, the second the second guy for MVP. Um, so we'll see. I mean, anything can happen. But the Ravens are the Ravens are looking really good. So I have the Ravens here. We all have the Ravens here. Yeah, only thing I'll add is that Similar to the Chiefs, I just think that they've had really bad opening schedule luck. They've faced uh, the Seahawks, the Titans, um, the Rams. Um, this week, they past week they faced the Dolphins, but now they're facing the Ravens. Awful luck, just awful. Yeah, yeah, no, totally agreed on their on their own tough scheduling draw, and you know, just you know, just the uh, Ravens pick in general. Um, you know, the Ravens under under Lamar Jackson and John Harbaugh have a historically good primetime home record. Um, they've, they've only lost, I, I believe two primetime games at home since the two of them have been on the same sideline together. Um, and this, you know, this one feels like another one that, that they should be able to handle. Um, you know, I, I'll be interested to see how the Ravens defense responds after their, you know, honestly quite dominant showing last week out in Denver. Um, you know, do they, do they regress back to the mean a bit or do they, you know, keep this, this, this newfound uh, dominance going um, against the Colts? It'll be interesting to, to find out what happens, but yeah, no, I have the Ravens in this one as well. All right. So that's the last matchup there. Uh, let's move on to the survivor game. So I, I'll just be the first to say it was a rough week for, for a lot of people in the survivor game, but I don't know why I picked the Rams and Again, I don't even remember picking the Rams. I'm sure I did because, I, I mean, I checked and it, I didn't pick the Rams. So I don't know what I was thinking. Like, why would I pick the Rams against the 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 cards here? But, and you know, I, I ended up eating it. The Rams lost. So now I'm done to one life. So I'm just not good at this game. That's, that's kind of what I realized. Uh, hopefully next year is a new year for me. We'll see. I don't think any of us are good at this game. We're all at one life left. Um, we also all fell into the trap that the Jaguars should be protected. Quaker. Really? Yeah, I guess he doesn't like the Jaguars. All right, go ahead, just go I again. wasn't. Just take, do the take again. Just do the take again, yep. Yeah. yeah, I don't think any of us are good at this. 
Um, we're all only at one life left. Um, we all chose the Jags against the Texans, which is the trap that we fell into. But we should have known better. This week was tough, though, for the entire pool because half the league lost life. Across the Saints, Titans, and then like a few added up with all the other teams, basically a full half lost a life. This is why we did multi-lives, and this is why I was always harping on a niche for thinking so confidently that someone will be perfect by the end of the season. Yeah, um, definitely a fair point. I, Rob, who, who, how'd you do? Who'd you pick? So I, quite, quite unfortunately, similarly picked the New Orleans Saints to defeat the New York Giants at home um, in front of their home crowd, uh, which they had not seen since obviously last season in the wake of the devastating hurricane. Um, and I just expected the Saints to come out flying. I thought that they would be incredibly, you know, hyped up by by their fans. I thought that, you know, the uh, Superdome would, would just be completely electric and it would neutralize the, the you know, Giants at, at the line of scrimmage, um, you know, and that's just not really what happened. Like the Giants just were never really out of it. And the Saints let them back in with that inexplicable play call to allow Taysom Hill, their part fullback, part receiver, part quarterback, I guess, throw a 50-yard bomb down the field, which landed gingerly into the hands of a defender, completely, almost completely untouched. Right. Which only began the gradual cascade into hell, which was the end of that game for the Saints. I mean, you just knew at that point. Like, the Saints lost all of the momentum. Nothing was going to stop Danny Dimes and the Giants. He was just moving them down the field. And you could particularly tell in overtime that nothing was going to stop them. They were just carving their way through the New Orleans Saints defense until finally... Finally, at long last, they found the end zone, sending basically a third of, of our bracket pool into oblivion, Alex's and myself's included. Um, just wow. Wow, Saints. Like, like really? Really? You know, like that's, that's what you do. You know, 17 unanswered points after you're leading 21 to 10, like right around half. I mean, like, come on, Saints. Come on now. So yeah, um, just just to wrap it up, quick stats. Um, we have seven people who are already out. Um, so three, four weeks, um, some people are out. That's about 7.5% of the brackets. Uh, we have 21% at one life. We have 40% at two lives and 30% at three lives. So we'll see. I mean, that, that losing that third life, that... that uh, Third life and going down to two is uh, really expensive um, if if one person still has three lives by the end. But people are dropping pretty rapidly. So we'll see if, if that lasts. It's only been four weeks and we're down to 30% uh, that have three lives left. So should be The problem is both New York teams won. <laughs> sure. <laughs> that is that is uh, quite quite the uh, quite the fact there. That is the reason why our survivor pool is slowly descending into chaos. 
I almost well, want to bet that there's not going to be another week the rest of the season that both of them win at the same time. I will have to honestly, check. But I'm almost willing to make that bet. Like, like disorder has been introduced into the universe in that both the Giants and the Jets won their games upon the same day. And our pool literally cannot handle it. <laughs> it's cool to see the, uh, the chart going because you, you slowly see the deterioration of, of these, like so much red this week. And like, you're going to see so many brackets just continue to turn black as we go on and you know d- descend into darkness forever. And it could be one of us soon. We'll see. We'll see how long we last at this point. I, I don't know about you guys, but I'm really, really having the time of my life with this descent into darkness. It's great. <laughs> I, I'm I just it. enjoying every minute of it, you know? <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. Um, <laughs> I don't know about you guys. I, I think we said that looking at the schedule, we felt like there's a lot of clear wins, but uh, I don't know really what that means for Survivor. Um there's definitely some options out there, but I, I, I think I have my eye on a few of them. Certainly not going to name them out here because uh, we know that some of the people in the group listen to this, but there's some particularly juicy matchups, I think. To be fair, if they did listen to us, it's not like they would be doing very well. So maybe... That's also true. That's yeah. true. So maybe I should tell people my pick. <laughs> exactly. I'll keep my secrets, though. I'll keep my secrets. Cool. And with that, we'll move on. So final segment, playoff team predictions. So Rob, you actually did, uh, you have to eliminate five teams because, uh, you know, you kind of had to catch up to us. So let's start with you. Which five teams did you eliminate and who did you eliminate for week five? Yeah. So, you know, I went with the obvious ones first. I think Houston is really bad off. I think Jacksonville is quite possibly even worse off. Although they are improving every week, which is encouraging if, if you're a Jacksonville fan. Um, and then the uh, and then the Jets, um, you know, fourth place team, you know, in an incredibly challenging division. And like, you know, that's a distant fourth place, right? Like when you think about the Patriots and the Bills, I mean, you know, particularly the Bills, but then the Patriots and the Dolphins after them, like it, it feels like they are like bringing up the rear by a mile. Um and it's really through no fault of their own, um, simply by virtue of being in a division with Josh Allen, Bill Belichick, and, you know, Brian Flores. Um, you know, you're staring at a last place finish right there, if nothing else, just by virtue of the fact that it's Robert Sala's first season as a head coach. You know, he's going to have his growing pains. But as you can tell, he's already, you know, finding success in the NFL with a great win over the Titans on Sunday by all accounts, you know. Um, and so... You know, those are my first three picks. Um, I felt like those were pretty straightforward. Then I decided to take the same approach uh, with respect to identifying the fourth place team um, for my next two eliminations. The first being the Eagles. Um, I kind of liked what the Eagles had to show in week one against the Falcons. But as we are now seeing, that may have been the aberration, if I'm being honest. Um, They just have not looked good since that game. you know, now that the Cowboys especially are starting to separate pretty clearly, um, you know, the Giants, you know, are, are, are finding their, their confidence after a, a huge win over the Saints on the road. Um, and then Washington, obviously, with Taylor Heineke, you know, keeping them in games. Um, I just think that it's just a tough year if, if you're Philly. 
Um, it, it's it, it's just a tough year in that division, um, you know, especially given the fact that the NFC East tends to beat itself up pretty well. Um, I don't think there's really many teams that really own any others other than the Cowboys. I think the Cowboys, again, are going to run away with that division. Um, but in no scenario do I see the Eagles coming out on top. That's just a really tough ask for them compared to the, you know, to, compared to what I believe is some superior talent on, on their three uh, in-division rivals. And then finally, you know, adopting that same approach, I went ahead and eliminated the Atlanta Falcons. Um, again, you know, they just feel like a pretty clear-cut fourth-place team. Um, you know, not like the offense can't figure it out, but the defense definitely has yet to figure it out. Um, and, you know, I don't see the defense improving, you know, nearly as much as I believe the offense can improve from here, um, which is really unfortunate because you just happen to share a division with, you know, arguably one of the most prolific passing offenses in football in Brady's Buccaneers, followed by the suddenly um, elite defense that the Carolina Panthers are now sporting now that they've picked up Stephon Gilmore. Um, and then thirdly, of course, my favorite team in the NFC, the New Orleans Saints, which just have a penchant for, you know, not blowing key games at home against teams like the New York Giants, you know? <laughs> I just love the Saints, don't I? Um, but yeah, like the Saints are, are clearly a better organization and a better team today than, than the Falcons. And so, you know, again, it's just really tough sledding for those guys. Um, and as such, I, I decided to unfortunately bestow the honor upon them of being my fifth elimination from the playoffs so far this season. And obviously Alex, you picked the Falcons this week too. Yeah, so you agree picked, with him. I agree with him that the Falcons are a clear fourth place. And I, I think it's fair that Rob is going for that strategy. That's basically what I did too. My point of disagreement is that the Eagles are not the worst team in the NFC least as far as I'm concerned. I feel pretty confident that's the Giants because I think that this was a wacky win that shouldn't have happened, whereas the, the Eagles, like, they put up 30 on the Chiefs, and uh, they, I mean, it looks a lot worse now, but at the time I thought their, their taking care of business in Atlanta was quite impressive. Um, Jalen Hurts is just, I think Jalen Hurts is a better quarterback prospect overall than Danny Dimes. Um, as a Dukie, maybe I shouldn't be saying ill of the God, but uh, I think I'm going to have to voice my concern here. But yeah, with the Falcons, I have no disagreement. Um, Saints, even if you think they're third in that division now, it's just a, a chasm between them and the Falcons. It's also interesting, just a quick note, viewers, that uh, Rob genuinely does love the Saints organization overall, and he is very upset with the way things have been lately, because Drew Brees is probably his second favorite quarterback of all time. Yes. And like, you know, just for the record, I do want to affirm what, what uh, Alex is saying here on a normal day. I am actually quite a fan of, uh, of, of the new Orleans saints. I do believe them to be a very well run, well oiled machine down there um, in the great city of new Orleans. I was, as he said, a, huge Drew Brees fan throughout his entire career since I began watching football. And I will continue to root for them, despite it going against every feeling in every fiber of my being at this moment. I will continue to root for their future success because I do, in fact, have some degree of affection for the organization. However, I cannot get past 
for the moment, how just excruciating fashion in which they choked that game away. And of course, I am a bit biased due to the fact that I did pick them in my survivor pool this past week. Probably would not have nearly this bucket of emotions had they not been my selection in week four, but alas, they were. And so I am temporarily not happy with my second or third favorite team in the NFL. Anish, you didn't choose the Falcons. Who do you choose? I did not. I chose the Lions. And the reason I chose the Lions is because I was honestly a bit surprised. I mean, again, maybe I shouldn't have been, but they're 0-4. And that's about, I mean, that's the worst start you can have in four games. So I just don't see them recovering. I think the division, the division is bad, but it's, the Lions deserve to be at the bottom there. Um and that's kind of it. Like the Lions just don't look good for whatever reason. I just don't think they have the weapons. I think Goff, Goff, uh, Goff is uh, underwhelming as a quarterback, and that's just what it is with the Lions. And I completely understand the Falcons hate. Um, I just happen to go with the Lions this time, and maybe next week I'll go with the Falcons. We'll see. That's basically it. My only point I want to add is I agreed with Goff being underwhelming. And the scariest part, and part of it, maybe what influences me so much in my constant uh, dislike of the Packers, simply from a football perspective, is that Goff's best half of football this season was against the Packers. I think that says a lot about the Green Bay Packers. Um, And uh, I think that they're going to... I I still don't have faith in it not being fluky. Um, I, I think that Rodgers, yes, has come to form, but I think the defense scares me still so i'm concerned does come from a genuine place and not simply anti-packers hatred definitely plays in though um but yeah i don't blame you for taking the lions they might be one of my next picks i just feel like they're better than their record though whereas i don't feel the same about the falcons i think the the lions have had some bad calls uh, matchup wise with the niners and the ravens even though the ravens game was way too close for comfort. So yeah, I think that they play better than their record. You're welcome, Rob. No, well, actually, I I, I was thanking Hollywood, not you. Oh, okay. That's fair. Yes, I was thanking Hollywood for making that game, as you put it, way too close for comfort. (laughs) Hollywood just wanted to set up J-Tuck to have the longest field goal in history. He was just doing his man a solid. Sure. Sure, let's go with that. So, with that, we'll end this episode. It's been a long one, but it's also a special one. So, uh, again, you know, thanks, Rob. Seriously, you've kind of supported us from day one on this, and uh, it's honestly been good having you on. And uh, obviously, we had those technical difficulties, and you kind of proposed that we kind of, uh, kind of make up for that. So that's why we're we're doing this right now. So. I appreciate it, and uh, it was it was honestly good having you. Yeah, I just want to thank you both. Um, you know, I've been a huge fan of Hitch Route since you all started doing this. Um, you know, watched every episode up to this point, and I was even more excited to you know participate as a uh, guest um, on on episode five. Um, it's been great. You guys are awesome. You know, and you know, I just want to give you both a shout out for all of the great work you did to recover from the. <laughs> aforementioned technical <laughs> difficulties that we yeah. had 
Sure. Um, you know, these guys basically, you know, went back through the recording and, you know, made sure that, you know, we were able to pick up right where we left off. Um, you know, just some serious dedication and just another reason why I think these guys are, are on a path to, you know, great success with Hitch Route. Um, so just thank you guys again. And, you know, it goes without saying that I would be honored to, to return sometime. For sure. That'd be awesome. Yeah. Thanks so much for coming out, Rob. You cool. Betcha. And with that, we'll see you guys uh, after week five and hopefully it'll be a good one. It seems like a lot of bangers in there. So, uh, but thanks. Thanks everyone for, for, for listening, for watching, for supporting everything. Um, we'll see you guys next week. Peace out. All right. Thanks guys.